Hey friends, my new book, Negotiation Made Simple, comes out October 31st. If you pre-order the book, I want you to have four special bonuses. The first is the negotiation preparation checklist. The second is access to an interview with Ryan Hawk, the host of the Learning Leader podcast. Third is a group coaching experience where I will be taking questions and helping people deal with their actual negotiations. And fourth is a live webinar where I will teach people how to use the negotiation preparation tool. All of these things are worth like 10 times the cost of the book. Don't miss this deal. All you have to do is to go purchase the book wherever you buy books and then go to lowrygroup.net forward slash book. And there you can give us information about your order and we will get these bonuses to you. Be sure to go out and pre-order Negotiation Made Simple. Hey everyone, welcome to Negotiation Made Simple, where we help you master the art of negotiation and win your next deal. I'm your host, John Lowry. On this episode, I am going to give you a framework for how it is that you go about becoming more empathetic. This is part three of our series on empathy and negotiation, two concepts that really haven't been linked together, but I think are strategically important to be an effective negotiator in this day and age. And so in this episode, I'll lay out a very simple framework that anyone, regardless of who you are, can become more empathetic, especially in your negotiations. And I'll also answer a question from the audience at the end, so be sure to listen to the end. It's a great question and I'm excited to provide some insights on it. Let's jump into this episode of Negotiation Made Simple. Let's talk about a very simple framework for empathy. Some people, they don't need a framework for empathy. It comes natural to them. They are just empathetic people. It's easy for them to sit and to listen and to process and to understand and to make people feel comfortable. But for the rest of us, people like me, it requires some intentional thought. It requires monitoring our behavior so we create the environment to where we too can take advantage of the benefits that come with being very empathetic. And so what I'd like to offer you is a four-step approach, a framework in which you too can become much more empathetic. The first thing is, is you've heard the saying that God gave us two ears and one mouth and that we should use them in proportion. Well, this is the first step to empathy, is to really listen. And there's probably a lot of wisdom in that funny little saying. It's probably important that we spend more time listening than we do talking. Now, for some of us, that can be really hard because we love to talk. But when it comes to being empathetic, listening is the key. And listening is not something that we just do with our ears. Listening is something that we do very actively. And so as we think about listening, it's important that we send signals to the other side or the other person that, that we care about what they're saying, that we honor their perspective, 
even if we totally disagree with it, it's really important that we at least honor and recognize how it is that they could see the issue that particular way or how it is that they could value the thing that perhaps you value very differently. And so by honoring it, what we do is we begin to create an environment to where it's easy for us to work together. And it, then it becomes easy for us to think creatively together about how we honor their interest and what's driving them while at the same time honoring ours. So this leads to kind of the second step of the framework, which is to recognize empathy as a critical negotiation skill. Empathy is not just something we do because we want to be nice people, but empathy is strategic. It's really, really important to understand before we seek to be understood. And by understanding what that allows us to do and why that's so important is because it helps us solve the right problem. So much time is wasted. So much money is wasted with people solving the wrong problem. And so I've seen it in negotiations countless number of times to where more value is being put on the table, more money is being given, but the problem has nothing to do with money. And so even though there is more value being thrown around, it's not connecting with what's driving the people that are making decisions. And so empathy becomes so critical to identifying the issues, to understanding the perspectives, and then allowing empathy to help reveal a path on how to solve the problem or how to get the deal done. I have a good friend who is a real estate developer, and he's developing a golf course in Mexico. And the piece of land that he is developing this golf course on is absolutely spectacular. Surrounded on three sides of the Pacific Ocean with these rocky cliffs and these waves crashing against them. I mean, it is majestic. And yet I love the story about how he acquired this piece of land. There were other real estate developers. In fact, there had been many that had been down to see the landowner and just threw money at the landowner. And the landowner wasn't interested in selling. But my friend, he was a young, didn't really know what he was doing, real estate developer, who went down with a very different approach. Instead of just throwing money, instead of just bringing very wealthy investors, what he did was he went down and he got to know the landowner's family. He got to know the landowner personally. He began to understand what the land meant to the landowner and what the landowner was trying to achieve with it. And through that process of empathy, he discovered a path for how he could acquire the land. The landowner revealed to him that that land was the security, the financial security for his family, but that the land was also the legacy that the landowner wanted to leave, not only his family, but the people in his community in Mexico. And so my friend put together a plan to where he wouldn't buy the land, in fact, the land would be donated to a project that would involve developing this land into one of the most spectacular golf courses in North America. And with that would come the financial security that his family was looking for, but also this incredible legacy 
in terms of this landowner having the vision to turn this piece of property into something that would be special and would be enjoyed by generations for years and years to come. So how is it that this young, hotshot, didn't know what he was doing landowner figured out how to unlock the key to that land in a way that much more experienced, much more wealthy, much more resourceful people couldn't do? Well, the key was empathy. He understood how to connect. And as a result of that connection and what he learned through that connection, he got the deal done. Now, the third piece of the framework is you have to put yourself in the shoes of the other person. And you've got to be very intentional about this. You've got to work hard to see the world as they see the world. Even again, if you don't like it or you totally disagree with it, it's really important to understand how it is that they are making a decision. So one of my colleagues used to be the CEO of a large company. Um, If I said the name of it, you would know it in a heartbeat. Many of you are probably customers of this company. And he would have his vice presidents and his cabinet, and every day they would have a weekly operations meeting, and he would get these glowing reports about how everything within the company was great. And yet the vice presidents, they wanted to look good, right? And so when it came to their particular unit or their division, they had wonderful things to report. But the CEO... He wanted to know more. He wanted to know at a deeper level what was happening with the employees and with the customers of that particular company. And so he dedicated himself to spending a day a month on a truck, going into people's homes and providing the services that this company provides. And he would go into homes and he would listen to customers and he would ask questions about how long it took for the customers to get a technician out and how long they had to wait on hold uh, as they were making the telephone call to try to get the appointment scheduled. And he would learn all about this, and he would hear the frustrations of the customers. And as he would talk to the employees, the employees would tell him, this doesn't work. We have to do this process, and it slows us down dramatically. And if we could just avoid that, we probably could get to one or two more calls a day. And he began hearing these things and realizing that maybe things weren't as rosy as his vice presidents were telling him. And as a result of that, of putting himself in the shoes of his technicians, putting himself in the shoes of his customers, he was able to better understand how to create maximum operational efficiency and performance for his company. And so putting yourself in the shoes of the other person, taking the time to do that, that's really critical in terms of being more empathetic. And then finally, it's understanding that empathy is all about building a path to influence. So I was always amazed when I was in the fundraising business and I was raising money for a university. I was always amazed at who it was that was successful at raising money. Now, there was kind of the quintessential development person, uh, this person that was very good with people, very quick on his or her feet in terms of being able to respond to questions and overcome objections. Someone who could passionately share the vision or tell the story of the institution or the project that they're raising money for. Those people were very successful, but sometimes even more successful 
was the person who was just really authentic. They may not be as articulate. They may not be as as quick on their feet in terms of being able to respond to some things that may be difficult or challenging. They may not have the same level of vision in terms of being able to paint that picture for a donor. But these people were very successful. And the reason that they were successful is because they listened and they were empathetic. And they realized that for many donors, a major gift to a university was really not about the university. It was really about something the donor had in his or her heart, something they were trying to solve for in their own life, and they were using the university to try to solve for it because the university had the opportunity to reach lots of people. The university had the opportunity to shape the lives of young people who needed a chance. The university had an opportunity to open the doors to new career paths for people. The university had the ability to do all of these things. And so these people were trying to solve something, but they were trying to solve it through the university. And these development people were so powerful because they listened, because they let the donor story become the focal point. And they found ways to connect the university to it that resulted in amazing gifts. See, these folks understood that the path to influence didn't come through talking. It actually came through listening. It didn't come through trying to persuade. It actually came through being empathetic. And so empathy is a skill that doesn't get associated with negotiation very much. But I think It is something that is exceptionally powerful. And if you learn to be really empathetic, if you follow this four-step framework, you will become a more effective negotiator. And as a result of that, you'll get more of what you want in life. All right, time for another question from the audience. Remember, if you've got a question that I can answer, I hope you'll send it to me at admin at lowrygroup.net. That's admin at lowrygroup.net. Send your questions there because it's great fun for me and I hope is very helpful for you all in terms of applying this entire negotiation made simple framework to actual real life challenges that people are having. And so this question comes from Danny. Danny writes, hi, John. I'm a big fan of your podcast. I'm a CEO of a small tech startup in Tennessee and my team of 15 is pushing for a fully remote work environment. Personally, I believe in the benefits of a full-time on-site work model, especially at this stage of the company, but I'm struggling to negotiate with my team on this matter. I've conducted one-on-one meetings with everyone and captured their wants and needs. How can I effectively communicate my concerns and find a solution that is both beneficial for me and for my team, as well as the company. So great question, Danny. Uh, This is kind of a classic moment in business right now in terms of thinking about the hybrid work environment. And it's definitely something that is being negotiated, right? Between employees and managers. And it's a real challenge for a lot of companies where everyone went remote during COVID. Now, a lot of companies are kind of in this hybrid state. And yet, Productivity for some is going up, for some it's going down, 
And as a result of that, managers and leaders are having to do what they need to do in order to move the company forward, yet employees are not wanting to come back. They want to protect that flexibility, my employees included. And so I'm very empathetic to you, Danny, in terms of the challenge that you're having. And let me see if I can offer a couple of ideas that may be helpful to you. First off, what you did to kick this off is the right thing to do. And that is just spend some time listening to people, trying to really understand what is, what is it about working at home? What is it about the flexibility that is so helpful to them, but also helps them contribute more to the company and be a better employee? And in some cases, you'll learn that there really is benefits to allowing people to work from home. So for example, one of my employees told me as we were having this conversation that they actually get more done at home because there's less disruptions, less distractions when they come in the office and they get to actually work on their agenda of what they need to get done as opposed to everyone else's agenda when they're asking them to help on things. And so there are some benefits there and it's important to understand that. But let's be honest, there's also some people that are just taking advantage of it. And I think it's important to kind of understand and identify who those people are too, to where they're not as productive and you're seeing that in people's numbers, uh, but they're very interested in working from home. And yet just the numbers suggest that perhaps they're not being productive at home. And so that may require a bit of a, a different response. But step one is listening. Step one is understanding kind of how it is that they're approaching the problem and their perspective. And then you've got to get to the point to where you start to come up with ideas. And I would encourage you to do that in collaboration with the team. And so instead of you as the manager or the leader, I guess you're the CEO, uh, just saying, okay, we're going to do this now and we're going to try this for a while. Uh, you may get resistance to that, um, but to softly kind of explore that. And with your team and with your influential leaders, say, what if we tried this? What do you think people will think? To where when you introduce that new work model, whatever it is, you haven't done it just simply yourself, but you've done it with a team of people to where now it's the entire organization that's trying this, not the CEO placing it upon them. And then do it in such a way to where it really is it's a prototype that you're going to test. And so you're going to be wide open to evaluating this work model and whether or not it has value. Uh, and if it does, then you might stick with it. If it doesn't, then you're going to keep refining. And then be really clear with people about what the criteria is for evaluating it. So Because metrics will drive behavior. And so if you tell people, here is the productivity metrics that are really, really important in terms of making sure that the company is extracting the value it needs out of its employees. Then if I'm an employee, I'll want to make sure to hit those numbers because I know that hitting those numbers is my path to retaining the flexibility that is so important. And so being very, very clear about the criteria that will be used to evaluate whatever the working model is uh, I think is important. And then being open to changing if it's not working uh, to where people won't feel trapped because when they feel trapped, they're more inclined to leave or do something more dramatic. But if they know that 
it's open in terms of being willing to reconsider it in six months or a year, whatever the appropriate time period is, people won't feel like they need to go find another place to work. There will be hope that if this isn't working for them, that there's opportunities to change. And so with each step of this process, it is a negotiation to where you're going to put out ideas and test them. They're going to come back with ideas and test those. And if you do it together, you're more likely to get through it without the work environment becoming a point of conflict or a point of consternation or something that degrades the health of the team. At the end of the day, it's also important to help people understand that we all want the same thing. We all want to deliver great value. We want the business to perform really, really well. And we want to do so in a way to where we also have a high quality of life. And so you'll have to continue to anchor the conversation in those things, the things that everyone shares in terms of the values and goals and their own personal ambitions and things like that. If you anchor it in that, then there will be more room to test and more opportunities for people to be flexible around this or around that. So there's a little approach in terms of how to negotiate your way through a conversation like you're having with your employees about the hybrid work environment. So great question, Danny. Thank you so much for sending it. And again, if you're listening and you have a question like Danny's, please send it to me, admin at lowrygroup.net. So this concludes this conversation about empathy and negotiation. These two concepts that haven't been linked closely together in the past but I think are critically important in terms of moving forward to generate success. In this world today, it's really important that we understand the needs of the people that we're dealing with, whether it's our customers or employees or family members or friends. And then I think the companies that are gonna win and the people that are gonna win are the people that understand those needs and then get really creative and build upon them to create great solutions. Those will make the best employers. Those will make the best vendors. Those will make the best partners. And if you wanna be that, it's not that hard. You just need to be a little more empathetic and think a little bit more creatively about how to respond to people's needs. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode and I look forward to seeing you next time on Negotiation Made Simple.